All right. So, you know, it was a momentous weekend. Uh, an NRL team dear to my heart made the grand final. I know dear to many of your hearts too. And we cannot wait to see the victorious Brisbane Broncos. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. If Penrith win, I'm going to take a month off. And you just won't see me for a month so that I can avoid all your jeers. And really, I was thinking as well, you know, because you see after the games, there's clearly a lot of Christians in the Penrith team. They make that big prayer circle at the end of the game. How selfish would it be for a team of Christian players to win three grand finals in a row? (laughs) Disgusting behaviour, really. So I hope they do the Christian thing. I hope they understand that it is time for the Bronco. I think we... Can I hear an amen? No. Uh, we, we are, look, we've got all generations in the room, uh, and what that means is I'm going to try and be quite straightforward and snappy this morning and take a real good um, but straightforward and simple look at unity. I want to start um, by, so real unity, why bother? And that's really intentional, that why bother with unity? Because if you really deal with people, people are really hard to deal with sometimes And so why bother? Why bother with trying to make it work? A whole bunch of people together. So I want to start with a story from the book of Kings. And I'll just give you a little background for those who aren't familiar with the story. So Naaman was a commander in the army in Aram, so not an Israelite. He was a big deal though. He was a big deal, but the man had leprosy. So a big, proud military man with leprosy. Um, And um, his Israelite servant, who he kidnapped, which is lovely, suggested that there was a prophet in Israel who would heal him. And so he goes to see this prophet in Israel and and he's on the way to see him. And then we read this narrative. Now, it makes sense when you know that Naaman is a proud man. All his actions make a lot of sense here. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots. This is how he shows up to places, in his horses and chariots. You know, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? Ah. I have to go down to Penrith. Oh, God. No. So, so he turned and he went off in a rage. He was in a rage, people, because he had to wash in the wrong water and the prophet wouldn't come speak to him personally. How insulting. And so Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed? <sighs> So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, probably feeling a bit ridiculous. One, two. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Why are we reading this story? There's healing for this proud man, isn't there? There's healing for it if he can overcome his pride. If he can overcome his pride, there's great healing there. But I just want to lean into this broad idea, this is a great story, for that well-worn idea and truth that you have to go through the hard stuff to get to the good stuff. So even on a broad level, we all love being fit. Who enjoys getting fit? Really? I mean, we all love being good at stuff. 
Who enjoys getting good at stuff? Not really. We all love healthy, restored relationships. But we don't always want the pain of forgiveness and letting go of the past, the hard stuff. We want close friendships, but do we have to go and be vulnerable ourselves to have that closeness? We want life strengthened by scripture, but it's painful to build the disciplines of reading it, isn't it? It's painful. And real unity is a beautiful place to be. It's such a beautiful place to be. But to get there, we don't get there, friends, without forgiveness. We don't get there without listening. We don't get there without laying down our own agendas. We don't get there without humility. We don't get there for grace, without grace for those who think a bit differently and are a bit different. We don't get there without being in the space of people that make us uncomfortable. And we don't get out there to the place of real unity unless we're willing to handle different perspectives. We just don't get there. We want the good stuff. But are you willing to embrace the hard stuff to be truly unified? And the reason why it's so hard is because overcoming difference is hard. It really is hard. In this room, there's generational difference, obviously. We're all different ages. There's theological difference, really. If you scratch the surface and ask some hard questions, there's definitely theological difference in the room. There's cultural difference in the room. There's personality difference. So for me, right, um, and this is a problem with people I lead with, and they learn this as they lead with me, is that, so I'm a person that I get stressed if things are too structured and too organised. I feel like stifled. Right? I start to panic a bit. It's too stressed. It's too tied down. And, but there are people who experience the same stress when things are too loose and things aren't organised. And we're in the same room and we're both stressing each other because we're different. And there are people who are cold facts, logistically intuitive people here without that same intuition when it comes to relationships and feeling the room and emotions. And there are people who are very good readers of the room, great intuitive relational people, but really they're not the ones you would put in charge of the details of anything. There's introverts, there's extroverts, different experiences, different gifting. There's even political difference. There, look, we'll just call a spade a spade. Plenty of people love Jesus in this room and are going to vote differently at the referendum. That's just true. That's just true. So we need a really strong why to bother, don't we? We need a strong, strong why to bother with unity because unity is hard. Let me tell you, Staying separate is not better, but often it's easier. Gathering with your own, keeping it comfortable, it's not better, but man, it can be easier. Absolutely. So let me see if I can just give you, in this morning, in this very straightforward, four strong whys. Why we need to do unity. And the first one is this, obedience to Jesus. That's a really simple reason. Our Lord wants us to be unified. The one that we call king wants us to be unified. He prayed for it right at the end. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. As Christian people, let's just start at ground zero and say that if our unity is what he wants, if our unity is what he desires, then friends, it is what we want. Isn't that simple? It's what we want, if it's what he wants. And the importance of unity is expressed in scripture throughout. You can have back in back just in Psalms 133 verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. One of the first things said about humans is it is not good for them to be alone. Um, you know, and then carrying on to the New Testament, which from the passage we read, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. From the Old Testament to Jesus to the New Testament, unity matters. Unity matters. And if it's clear that's what our Lord wants, then friends, once again, it is what we want. So not just obedience to Jesus, that's the first one, but trust of Jesus. Because he's a good king who doesn't ask us to do things that are not in our interest. He is for us. Adam and Eve's part of their great sin was they chose to decide what was good and evil for themselves. They decided to do what was right in their own eyes. And friends, sometimes not bothering with unity seems right because it just keeps things so much easier and simple. I mean, I choose to lead in a church full of Panthers fans. Think of me. Absolutely. No, we have, we have an inherent trust, don't we, that where Jesus leads us is good. And friends... If he's leading us, then that will lead us towards unity, not away from it. We are saved to return to being people who are embracing the fact that we are made in the image of God. And part of being made in the image of God means that God defines what is good. God defines what is good for me, for you, for all of us, friends. And the life that Jesus wants for us, abundant life, life abundant, is the one that leads to unity. So... Two simple reasons, yeah, that we can't disagree with as Christians. Obedience to Jesus, trust of him. It's simply what he wants. But why don't we get a a bit more into the more specific why? There's Raph down the front there. All right. So as we we read through this, so we won't read it again, because as I said, I'm going to keep to my, my word and keep things fairly brief this morning. But in verse one, it talks about living a life worthy of the calling that we have received. Living a life worthy of the calling we have received. And if you look at the next two verses, we'll just jump to verse 3 before we go to verse 2. That part of the characteristics of living that calling out is to be unified, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And it should lead to being worthy of the calling. It should lead to humility and gentleness and patience. And by the way, Paul seems to completely get that getting along is hard work sometimes because of the word. I just don't think he would have used the word bearing with one another. He actually knows that community involves sometimes bearing with one another. You know, we do a bit of that, don't we, if it's real community? We bear with one another. Oh, gosh, okay, we're going to have to get along through this again. Um, and, And so that's just true. But why is that sort of community picture why is that connected to being worthy of our calling and what i want to suggest is this what do we claim to believe in as christians we claim to believe in a god who even though we broke the relationship with him 
He pursued us. He pursued unified, restored relationship with us. He chased us down the mountain after we left him. He died in our place. And he, he, so he's gone all that way. He's crossed all that distance to be restored, to be reunified with us for that redeemed relationship. How could you ever expect a group of people who are hopelessly divided to claim they believe in that God? Because all, if I was a non-Christian and walked in a church that couldn't be bothered being unified, so you believe in a God that had all that reason to reject you and all those obstacles in the way of being in relationship with you, and he loved you so much that he pursued you that far to be in unified relationship, but with each other, you can't be bothered. Whatever distance is between you guys, well, that's just too hard to cross. That's just too hard to forgive. That's just too hard to be patient with. I can't be bothered. Well, friends, let's not dare tarnish the witness of Christ if we're going to be like that. We should just hide our faith because it's a terrible witness. It's a terrible witness. If we're going to be people of this gospel, then we should be the people who are more equipped than any to do unity well. Because whatever differences is between me and you, Whatever forgiveness and listening and, and long-suffering and, and hard work it will take for us to be unified, God paid a higher price to be unified to us. And so for the strength of our witness, we're not going to give up on each other. We're going to be unified. Yeah? I understand the four o'clock are a bit weird. <laughs> but we can get on with them, I think. Can't we? We can, we can get along. And we'll talk about it. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. Jerks aside, isn't it? And so three reasons, and there's just one more. So, obedience to Jesus, trust of Jesus, strength of our witness, and the last one is the strength of our faith. The strength of our faith. This was the last bit that um, Joy read to us. And like I said, just in this morning, we'll go through fairly quickly. We won't read it again. But this passage talks about different offices which are associated with different gifts and it makes this broad point, doesn't it, before we even exegete it in detail, is that that difference works together. And when that different works, difference works together, it talks about us being built up, it talks, us about, talks to us about being, having unity in the faith, maturity, resilience against being pulled off track in verses 14. And then I love the last bit because the last bit is key in getting it. So we will be unified. Our faith will be strong. We're not going to be pulled off track if, ev if everything is working together as it should. And then it says, as each part does its work in love. So builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In love is so key. In love. We all do our bit in love. Why am I making such a big deal of that? Because... If it's in the posture of love, what is it? It's in the posture of our central purpose, to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind and strength and love our neighbour as ourselves. So it's simply a case of, well, I bring who I am to the table in love, for love of God and for love of my neighbour. And you bring what you bring to the table in love. If we bring it in pride or if we bring it in competition, or if we bring it in insecurity, trying to find our worth from people-pleasing, that's where the division starts, doesn't it? Because it's not in love, it's in, 
it's in ego, it's in pride, it's in, it's in trying to prove my worth to the person next to me. But if we actually all bring who we are and how God has wired us in love, in love of God and love of our neighbour, then we can do this. We can do this unity thing. Real unity, where there is room for difference. Uh, like, everyone gets to play. You know, my picture of real unity is this. So, you know, in primary school, I don't know, they still do this. We've got primary school teachers in the room, so they'll tell me if they still do this. Where you give every kid a recorder. <laughs> <sighs> and they all play Mary Had a Little Lamb at the same time. 30 recorders all playing the same note. It's jarring. It's terrible. They don't still do this, do they? It's okay if they do, like, really, but it's, that's not the type of unity we're going for. Because it's jarring when, I mean, they made the same point. Carly and Ryan the Lion made the same point. It's jarring when we get in each other's way and all try and be the same person. But a symphony doesn't, they all play different instruments. They all play different notes. And it comes together, that's real unity. Real unity, it's okay if you do the recorder thing in your class. It's just, you'll agree, it's a bit jarring. It's like, oh, that's a bit jarring. You know. Look, here's my conviction. And I, in my experience as a minister, as a Christian, just as someone with long-term friends and people who've isolated themselves from the church but call themselves Christians, but their only engagement with God is YouTube and books. And um, I have really come to believe that shutting out your brothers and sisters is a form of shutting out God. That's my truth. And I, and I believe it twists you in very bad ways. And it makes you crusty and difficult to deal with. Friends, your king tells you, you need your brothers and sisters to be strong, to be unified, to be everything that you were called to be. So I'm, I know that you can pray with me and dream with me that even though this is a beautiful community, there's an even more beautiful version, more dynamic version under the surface if we go to even deeper levels of unity, if we bring even more to the table of what different people offer. And when we say difference, I'm talking about you know, finding a way for our children to find their authentic voice in our community. The shy ones, the introverts, like they, they need to find their place in our community, don't they? If we're going to be as strong as we can be. Now, I said I'd be short, and I'm usually pretty good at sticking at that. So I just want to finish here. I want to picture you. You to picture yourself, sorry. I'm not going to picture all of you. You picture yourself, and I want you to just start processing... What's in my hands? What has God given me? Your experience, your resources, who you are, what you're good at. Like, just, just picture what is in your hand right now. If you hold your hands out in front of you, what's in my hand that God has given me? Well, it wasn't given just for you. It was given, whatever you're holding in your hands right now, will find its true purpose, its true purpose, if you submit it to the purpose of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and loving your neighbour as yourself. That's what, And you will find your true fit in life if you submit whatever's in your hands to that.
Why don't we have a pray? Who's sticking around for lunch? Yeah. Okay. Whoever wasn't didn't say anything. Just like yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> You're sticking around for lunch. Fantastic. All right. And let's pray. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much that you are a good king who doesn't ask us and lead us in ways and lead us towards things that are bad for us. And sometimes unity just really feels really difficult and clunky and frustrating and threatening for some people. But Lord, it's what you call us to. And so for us to get there, we really need your help. We really need you to fill us with all the love and grace and patience and forgiveness we need to to bear with each other and be more unified. For some of us, it's confidence. You really need to help us believe that we have something amazing to bring to the body of Christ. For others, it might be a bit of pride and ego and we find too much of our worth in how we compare to others. Whatever our rough edges are, Lord, would you smooth them over so that we can be a wonderful, united people? My prayer, Lord, is that people will come into this place and when we talk about Jesus' love, that they will look across this community and say, yeah, that makes complete sense to me because that's how these people treat each other. They, they, won't, they will cross any distance to maintain their unity. Oh, and that just makes so much... Lord, we really want to be that. We want to be that good of a shining light to this community of Springwood and beyond. Would you just guide us towards that sort of real unity, Lord? A unity that is an expression of who you are, an expression of your coming kingdom. Amen. Amen. So, I think we've got another song? Yep. Thank you. 